What's up, everyone? It's the Love, the Jam, the podcast. I'm Shapan, coming to you as always with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing pretty well, actually. Um, the Clippers have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That feels... Uh, I mean, technically, they don't have them because it hasn't been signed and officially announced, but uh, they're on the way. And uh, Summer League is going, which is really bad basketball, but entertaining. And yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. That's good. I, I'm also watching <laughs> summer, summer League. It's, it's pretty bad. But I enjoy it, and I enjoy it a little bit more than maybe I have previously. We also have Sabrina Merchant, who's been on the pod before. She covers uh, the WNBA on The Athletic, Clips Nation, Lakers, uh, Silver Screen and Roll. She also writes for Dive Magazine. She is quite busy. How are you doing, Sabrina? Busy, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> good. It's good to be busy. <laughs> I was going to visit, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to have Sabrina's takes on everything from the Clippers to the Lakers, too. Good to have some Lakers perspective, obviously, and uh, just general stuff. I mean, so the Clippers have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I remind myself about that probably on the hour. And <laughs> now that things have kind of calmed down a bit, Sabrina, one, we did this with everybody that we had on last time, but we like to ask everybody what to do, baby, when... when uh, <laughs> In, in light of recent events. So what to do? <laughs> I don't, how does one respond to that? Like I've only ever seen the question posed. <laughs> I mean, I think Serge Ibaka just gave a reflexive what to do back, which I think is, oh, a, okay. yeah, I, 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 uh, I like that, but you don't, you don't have to answer that. What, what, what were your media takes on, on that whole, on that whole night? I mean, uh, as far as, you know, the scope of LA basketball, we have a good perspective with you since you cover all the, pro basketball um LA teams mm-hmm. as a as a Laker person as a somebody who also covers the Clippers what was your general perspective and just feeling after that trade happened so I was out to dinner when it happened and I got the first text from like a group of my cousins that Kawhi had signed with the Clippers and I was a little surprised if only because I think I had expected Kawhi to only go to the Clippers if they got the second star I hadn't seen the George news yet <laughs> So when that happens, like, oh, okay, now I get it. That's why he came. But then it was like, well, wait a second, <laughs> Paul George? <laughs> like, right. How was that even in discussion? <laughs> I mean, the, the stealth with which this was carried out, the fact that, like, Kawhi apparently recruited Paul George without anybody knowing about it, that they were working on a trade deal with Oklahoma City without anybody knowing about it, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, uh, I remember listening to Zach Lowe's podcast about like how the Clippers had, you know, assembled this war chest of assets so that they would be ready for when the next star came available on the market. But like, it's a dangerous game to play because you're never the only one in the market for that star. But I guess the Clippers kind of were, you know, <laughs> they had right. this exclusive access to Paul George. And I mean, just enough good things cannot be said about the job the front office did to make that deal to get George and essentially also trade for Kawhi. So, yeah. yeah. What did you think about the, the price for Paul George? <sighs> the price for Paul George. So I, I mean, I, I essentially just think this, this was a trade they made to acquire two stars. Right. Because Kawhi was not coming without Paul George. So when viewed from that lens, I think it's, it's about the right valuation. I mean, what is it? Uh, five first round picks, four of them unprotected, two swaps, Right, yeah. Shea and Gallo. Um, 
even though I, I like Gallinari quite a bit, I don't view that as much of a loss in terms of the Clippers' asset pool because it didn't seem like he was long for the team anyway. Uh, but, I mean, losing Shea, that's like another another really good first-rounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's like, what, six first-round picks for two guys. That's That's about right, you know. It hurts, but like then you look at that roster that the Clippers have assembled, and it's just you know that's what you have to do. That's the price of doing business. Pretty much, uh, Rob. Now that some time's passed, uh, do you look back at those picks or the price for Paul George with with any difference aside from the fact that hey, we just kind of had to do it to get both of these guys? No, I think I think Shea is the biggest loss, and I, I agree. You know, I think you can look at the Boston. Nets trade, which Billy King was much maligned for, and correctly. Um, and then you look at what those t- picks turned into, and they've turned into good Celtics players. The Celtics have gotten, you know, useful players there. I think Tatum might have been one of the picks. I think Jalen Brown definitely was, but Tatum was a pick too. Yeah. So, like, you know, they've gotten some really valuable young players from it, and you know imagine how the Nets might look if they'd had those young guys too, in addition to the guys they already have, uh, whatever. But ultimately, you know, a lot of those picks kind of became nebulous and they didn't really turn into much or they turned into guys like Terry Rozier, who I don't even know if he was one, but just, you know, the draft is still hit or miss. I think teams are getting better at it. Um, But first round picks, I still think have more value um, before they become actual players. You know, it, it's this nebulous, like, oh, it's a first-round pick. This could be anything. And then in the end, you make the pick, and it's Fiondu Cabangeli, who, like, you know, <laughs> sure, I think he's a good prospect. But, like, you know, he's more most Spates than anything else. And, you know, I love most Spates. Uh, you know, legendary one-year clipper. But he's not making or breaking a franchise. And I'll just – a lot of picks turn out to be like that. And, you know, giving up seven picks means that – you know, a couple of those might end up being pretty good, but the Clippers have hedged. And I think, you know, at least the first few years, they're likely to be very, very good. The 2020 first round pick, I'm guessing is going to be in the mid to late twenties. You know, the Miami picks hurt a little bit more, but Pat Riley seems so determined to keep the heat competent, or at least on this treadmill of mediocrity that I don't think those picks are going to be any great shakes either. Now, First-round picks are still valuable because they're usually at least decent young players who are cheap and cost-controlled, and those are nice to put around a contender. But I do think that this Clippers front office has shown that they're capable of getting young, cheap talent in other ways. Steve Ballmer certainly has paid for second-round picks. They've been able to acquire picks and various moves like the trade to take on Maurice Harkless. Now, they're going to be probably capped out as long as they have two max guys around. But I'm sure they'll find inventive ways to add young, cheap players. And that's really what they gave up uh, with this deal. Now, Shea is a different story. And, you know, maybe the funder don't do the deal without Shea. It's probable they don't. He's the most valuable piece in the deal by far, in my opinion. I mean, maybe they're NBA talent evaluators and front office people who think differently. Um, You know, I wonder if there was some way they could have done it without Shea. Possibly not. I don't know. But I think, you know, the fact that we've said on here and, you know, very smart national basketball people like Zach Lowe have said that, you know, a very reasonable outcome for him is a multi-time all-star, you know, possible all-defense player. 
that's a really bad <laughs> thing to give up um, because, again, he's going to be cheap cost control for the next three years um, around guys like Kawhi and Paul George. That's so valuable. Um, and he's a guy you know is already at least good in the NBA, and you have pretty good confidence he can be great. So I, I don't think it was too much to give up. Um, and I don't think, honestly, a lot of those picks will really come back to bite them too much. But I do think, you know, the biggest thing that they gave away from this was Shea. And if Shea turns out to be a truly great player, that could end up looking like a miss. But it really, as with all these deals, it depends how it happens on the Clippers side. The Nets side only looked like a big miss because their, you know, quote-unquote big three flopped, you know, horrendously. Um, You know, they were a competent, you know, decent playoff team for like one season and then a fringe playoff team for two more years and then were awful. And if the Clippers can win a championship, then, you know, it's all worth it. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. Uh, That Nets team almost lost in the first round like the following year to the Raptors. Uh, They won a game seven in... um, in Toronto, I believe. But yeah, that, that team flocked pretty badly. Um, and I mean, I'm going to miss Shea a lot. And I think Zach Lowe actually said, if he, would I be surprised if he was a three-time all-star, all-defensive guy? And no, I wouldn't be surprised. I think Shea is going to be a really, really great piece. And I'm going to miss him a lot. He's what I'm probably going to be one of my favorite Clippers. You know, he'll be in the discussion of my favorite Clippers in just one season. But I agree with you. I think Shea is going to hurt the most. The future picks, obviously, you know, when it comes to asset accruance and accruing, and the Clippers did plenty of that, you know, you you take all these assets to flip them for a superstar like Paul George. So that's a lot of picks that they flip, but they were kind of caught in a really tough spot where they just – Sam Presti pretty much just had them and uh, just was just holding them out and had to – and just took everything he could, and he did. Kudos to him, and kudos to the Clippers for having the balls to just kind of go through with the deal or just having the guts to do it because you probably see that in a nutshell, and you're like, that's a lot, but we had to do it because otherwise we would just be stuck in this this good team, seventh, eighth seed type of deal for probably at least a couple of years. Um, yeah, Sabrina, um, what's the vibe around – the Lakers right now after kind of holding out waiting for Kawhi and then having this kind of fall through the picks they've made. I mean, they got Rondo, they got DMC. Um, they got, you know, they have Danny green. Now they have it. They have a, quite a few competent, you know, role player guys now uh, that they were at least able to spend some of their money on. Of course they got, they got KCP back of course. Um, but what's the vibe like with, uh, with the Laker community now that all this has happened? I think the one thing that really stands out is that Paul George is going to get booed at Lakers games more than anyone who has ever (laughs) come to Staples Center. Uh, The the thing that I think really stings for Lakers fans is that not that Kawhi went to the Clippers because the Clippers were seemingly in the lead for Kawhi all year. You know, it wasn't until the last week or so that the Lakers even really emerged as contenders to sign Leonard. So that – is easy enough to get over. It's just Paul George, who said he wanted to play for the Lakers, who was a free agent and didn't take a meeting with the Lakers, is now suiting up in Los Angeles for the Clippers. And that is, I mean, I'm sure the Clippers didn't do that for the express purpose of sticking it to the Lakers, but it really does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's a, that's a pretty good point. I mean, I didn't even think about that much. It's another point that I enjoy, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah but uh, I didn't really think about that aspect of it too much. And of course, I think Clipper fans have gotten used to the old adage that Paul George has mentioned that he grew up a, a Clipper fan. He's mentioned yeah. rooting for both teams, but he's mm-hmm. mentioned being a Clipper fan, wanting to be drafted by the team during that uh, Amino year where we exactly. dropped Amino. So I, I <laughs> you can rationalize this a little bit. At least Laker fans can see it, that he was a Clipper fan and he's probably happy to play for the team he rooted for. Obviously it doesn't help because he outwardly said that he wanted to be a Laker. Right. So, right. And uh, that's, that's an interesting take. <laughs> um, Rob, does it make you enjoy the trade a little bit more? That, that fact? Uh, maybe like <laughs> to the slightest. <laughs> I, I don't really, that kind of stuff I don't really care about. I think it's weird that, you know, I think it's very weird to grow attached to players who aren't on your team. You know, the Clippers were always rumored to be getting guys like, I understand it's different for superstars, but like we've discussed before, the Clippers were always being rumored to get guys like these middle tier small forwards because Lob City never had any wings, like Wilson Chandler and Rudy Gay and Danilo Gallinari and all these other guys. I never was like, wow, like Wilson Chandler's if he played for the Lakers, is playing for the Lakers now. Like, he was almost traded to the Clippers three times. Uh, like, I really just – I don't I don't get that. And it was the same thing with Clippers with Kawhi, really, where when it looked like he might not be coming, they were super angry and upset. And it's like, you know, I get it. Like, if they would have missed out on him, it would look, you know, kind of bad. But I don't know how you're getting this attached to, to somebody playing for your team when he hasn't actually played for your team yet. So, well, I think the, the key there is that he – outwardly said I want to play for the Lakers and then decided not to play for the Lakers and then as far as we understand he said he demanded a trade to the Clippers right (laughs) yeah I mean that's that's pretty much all you need to you know get the bad graces of Lakers fans I think the thing with that is like you know I know there's some Lakers voices who would probably push this I would blame the front office and the team far more than Paul George. I think if the Lakers had looked more competent last summer, even, you know, LeBron or no LeBron, um, I think George might have ended up going there. Um, but because they've been so bad for so long and the front office just is kind of like a disaster. I disagree with that because I don't think the Lakers started looking incompetent until after Paul George said no. Mm, I just think in general they've had – like, again, I don't know how much players know about – you know, or care about the inner workings of front offices. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's been a general aura um, from outsiders that the Lakers have been a disaster for years. Like, I don't know if players know that much or care that much about, like, what media people are saying. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's completely – I have absolutely no idea if Paul George knew about that, if Paul George cared about that. I know that, like, I heard, like, a million times from people, like, you know, over the years that just the Lakers are not like necessarily a great place to work. They're not a place, you know, that people necessarily want to be. Um, they're just kind of don't know what they're doing. They have so many different voices pulling the front office in different directions. Like would a player on Paul George's level know or care about that? I, d- I don't know. I think that was out there and it might've had an effect on him. Um, but like in general, I just, you know, I think there are a lot of reasons the Lakers are where they are. Uh, in terms of free agents and, you know, ultimately it's the free agents choice to make, 
But mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of things the team could have done. Better. I mean, I think I think one thing we've kind of seen from Paul George's decisions over the last couple of seasons is he doesn't want to be like the be-all, end-all. Like, he doesn't want the buck to stop with him, essentially. He stayed with Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook's one of the most, like, polarizing players in the league. And now he's coming to the Clippers. And had he gone to the Lakers early or, like, earlier, and maybe that could have happened if the Lakers were more aggressive. But he would have been the guy. And, you know, he did show – an ability to semi be the guy, you know, in Indiana in a week in a fairly weak East where he just played LeBron James whenever he played them in the heat, um, whenever they got matched up, but it doesn't seem like he really wants all that pressure. And I, and LeBron James is a different person where he goes to a place and there's a lot of gravity towards him as the guy. But I don't think George necessarily felt that. I kind of wonder almost if, if there, if how comfortable George would be as a Laker, if, they didn't have LeBron, and if he was actually teaming up with Anthony Davis, um, it's kind of kind of it's all pretty interesting to see what his thinking is, and his interviews I'm sure will be interesting uh, once he becomes this pressage for the Clippers and everything like that. As far as what happened here, of course he'll be politically correct, but I don't know. I just feel like the Lakers pre LeBron and even maybe post LeBron a bit. That that was a that was a tough team to go into and be like, okay, I'll be the guy because they hadn't incompetence might not be the right word, but they hadn't really shown a predilection of pulling themselves out of the funk that they were in for many years with like smart savvy moves aside from just kind of keeping space ready for like LeBron summer and yada yada, like they weren't accruing picks or anything. They weren't really doing these kind of quiet things that get applauded by like the Clippers and like the Nets and they weren't really doing that. So the general air over there didn't really seem incredible. Even now they have Anthony Davis and a lot of that seems like a product of LeBron James. So I don't know how excited, I don't know how, I think George would have stayed had they traded for him, but I don't think it was like, get me to the Lakers right now kind of uh, idea from Paul George considering he's been on a team. With and the, the other thing from like Kyrie Irving and stuff is that these players say stuff that either they don't mean or they get caught up in the moment. Um, like <laughs> Kyrie Irving told, uh, what was it? Like season ticket holders or something at an event back in October that he was definitely resigning right, right. Yeah. the Celtics. Like these guys just say stuff sometimes, which, you know, again, it's Ky- on them. Kyrie especially just says stuff sometimes. For letting fans. Yeah. Kyrie's entirely different. Um, <laughs> You know, but like they say stuff sometimes, whether through the heat of the moment or whatever. And like, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, you have to live with the with the consequences of what you say, which could be that a fan base feels spurned. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Like, you know, I'm sure he'll get food very loudly. And honestly, that seems like the kind of thing that will just drive him to be better. Um, so it could honestly be a good thing for the Clippers. Um like, they have so many guys who will just thrive against the Lakers, I think. You know, we already saw Beverly um, really get up for those games. I think Paul George will, too, if, if he sees a lot of booze. So, I get it. Um, the Clippers, in general, I think, are going to get a ton more hate than even usual uh, next year, which I think, Sabrina, you're actually going to be talking about, like, kind of the rivalry um, tomorrow. So, I don't want you to, like, spoil too much. But, like, are no, you no, no. That's That's games? a little different. I mean, I, I honestly don't think the Clippers are going to get that much hate like for whatever reason this this little maneuver that Kawhi engineered seems to be viewed more like oh wow this is so impressive rather than oh god this sucks this is another super team especially especially when you put it up against what the alternative was so yeah 
Yeah. Which is, it's, I mean, it's interesting to me, like, especially coming from the Lakers side, right? Like where uh, there was generally a lot of distaste for how the Lakers paired their two superstars. Um, whereas I don't see that backlash coming for Paul George yet. Do you think there's a reason for that? Is it just is it just because of how the Clippers have handled themselves over the last few years? Is it? Is it I mean, I'm I'm sure part yeah. of it is because like nobody knew about the George trade request, so it didn't have a chance to like fester into the season. Sure. Um, which is you know definitely a better way of handling things. Uh, but I I also just think that part of the conversation around Rich Paul always just right makes things different, right? Like. Most people, I don't think, know who Paul George's agent is, and I don't think most people know who Kawhi Leonard's agent is, and that makes it easier to focus on the players involved in the action rather than, you know, the the other people. Right, um, and it feels like it feels like Kawhi has done an incredible job rehabbing his image after being kind of, kind of middling. Uh, to say the best, this time last year with the whole Uncle Dennis stuff and and leaving, spurning the Spurs and the idea that he was leaving this incredible organization. And had he signed in Toronto, I think it would have been a real huge indictment on that Spurs thing because it would have showed that he didn't want to need to come back to Los Angeles. But that he's coming back to L.A., Spurs fans probably are a little bit more at ease knowing that he probably ultimately wanted Los Angeles even in the midst of that whole crisis. Um, Sabrina, I, I also wanted to ask you about Zubat. Uh, Ivica Zubat is uh, coming back to the Clippers. I believe it's four years, $28 million. Um, probably, maybe, a lot of Clipper fans feel like it's a little bit generous for him, considering how he ended the season, but not the worst. Still, He's still probably our placeholder starting center as, as of right now, especially if we want to um, you know, keep Trez off the bench and make sure everybody is slated Paul George at the two and quiet the three, at least to start games. Uh, we'll have Zubat protecting the rim and kind of easing pressure off of them. Ivica Zubat, of course, is a former Laker as well. You're familiar with him from both teams. Um, what's your take on this contract and kind of his place as a Clipper going forward? For me, the length is really the most surprising thing here. Like, this annual value of seven years, seven million per year is not all that shocking because for whatever reason, um, incumbent teams tend to value their own players, you know, more than guys on the free agent market. So him getting more from the Clippers than he would on the open market kind of makes sense to me. Uh, he did also feel like a valuable role for the Clippers in that he was not marching Gortat this year. Right. <laughs> Very helpful. Um, and he was a perfectly adequate starting center. I mean, like, there's no way he could stay on the floor during a series against the Golden State Warriors, but not a lot of players in the league can. And the fact that they kept him back to presumably just rehash that same role makes a lot of sense. It's just, I don't understand why they would want to lock him in at this number at four years. I don't understand why Zubac, being so young, would want to be locked in mm-hmm. at this number for four years. So that that's the weird part about it. And I I mean I didn't I didn't hear any rumors around the league about people who were interested in him, maybe because they just assumed that the Clippers would match. But it is a little odd that considering his market was almost non existent, that he ended up with this deal. Yeah, Rob, how'd you feel about this deal? And Zubai in general? I think it was kind of the first mistake that the Clippers front office made this summer. Um you know, I, I think he was worth keeping, certainly. And 
was definitely a valuable part to the Clippers down the stretch of the season. I actually don't worry too much about him getting played off the court against the Warriors because I think the Warriors uh, were a unique team in the in the threats they posed and that the style of play that has kind of become in vogue the past couple of years and the way teams have valued big men who get can get played off by these guards who take deep threes off the dribble, I think there's been an overcorrection there. There really aren't that many of those guys who can do that. Like, you know, Steph, obviously the most – you know, prominent example, you know, Harden, Dame Lillard, you know, Kyrie. There really aren't that many of these guys who can really consistently torch slower big men um, in the pick and roll, either as passers or, you know, taking them in ISO, you know, pulling back for these step back threes. And I think, you know, bigs have kind of become a little undervalued, if anything. So I wasn't really worried about that. I just don't think he's really good enough to warrant that kind of investment. Um, you know, he's a perfectly fine big man who you can give like 15 to 20 minutes a game to in the regular season. I honestly think he'd probably be fine for that number against a lot of playoff teams too. Like, I think you could roll him out against say the jazz or the nuggets or whomever, and he'd be fine for 15 minutes in a playoff game. Uh, but is that really worth like a four year, $28 million deal? I'm not sure. Maybe they think, you know, he has more promise than that. Maybe they just like him better. Um, you know, there have been videos of him hitting threes. Again, like, every NBA player can hit threes in open gym. Like, I've seen DeAndre Jordan hit a bunch of NBA threes. Like, mm-hmm. they can all do it. Um, you know, maybe they think that's a legit thing. Maybe they think his finishing really was severely damaged by that hand injury he had. I'm not sure. I think it was an overpay. Um, I don't think it's, like, a catastrophic deal. You know, if they need to move him, I'm sure they'll be able to. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe they'll have to attach a minor asset or something, but uh, you know, it's fine. I think like Sabrina said, I think the number in terms of salary was right. I think I was expecting like a two year, 14 million, um, or maybe like a three year, 18 million or something. Uh, 428 just seems a little long, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And sometimes you see like when, um, teams resign their own players it's like just for like salary matching you know in the event that you need to send some salary over in a trade uh, like I know pretty much anytime someone has a restricted free agent there's always like the the cap people who are like you know they could resign him for whatever number just to like get that ballast for trades but I mean the Clippers have a lot of salaries like that already so I don't think that was part of the calculus I mean if it was I wouldn't put it past them but that's I don't know, something else to consider. Yeah, it didn't really seem like they were doing any any cap magic with him. They just want to keep him. Um, four years is a long time, I agree. I thought they were going to keep him for – I thought two years was what I thought he was going to come back for, um, even if we didn't get Kawhi back. Um, he's, a, he's nice insurance in case we lose Trez after this next year, which I, I really hope we don't. I think this is something we can probably talk about either now or in a later pod about Trez. Trez is – deal expiring next year and him being up for a a considerable raise is something I'm going to be worried about all season as he plays himself into a very good contract all year. So, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a decent idea to have a kind of a seven year, a a year type of thing for a a starter who could maybe expand his role, especially with the idea that we could lose a very dynamic backup for him who's going to be who's essentially the starter but not in uh, in name. Like Trez will still play the lion's share of the minutes at center. 
Um, so I guess I can kind of get it for, from that extent, you know, and I'm also surprised from Zoo's extent, like Sabrina mentioned, a two-year deal also would seem to kind of favor him because then he could get a much nicer deal in the future, especially in the summer of 2021 where people will likely strike out on some of these big names. So it's kind of an interesting deal. I, I like it. I don't mind it. I don't think it was catastrophic or anything by any means, but it was a little bit, Slightly of a head scratcher. I think the le- I think the length, like you guys mentioned, probably more than anything else. But I think that's that's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a ton to talk about Kawhi and Paul George. I think we'll kind of get on it <laughs> eventually too. Um, but I do think we might as well. Rob, did you want to talk about anything else as far as, far as Zubad and and the Paul George and? No, I mean, about, I think we can talk about Jamichael a little bit and, uh, yeah. and waiting. I mean, I think him. we can get into like the X's and O's stuff as the summer gets along once free agency and summer league are, are you know, more behind us when there's like the three months of like from end of July to end of September where there's just X two months uh, where there's just not much to talk about. I think that's when like really like you can break down lineups and how Doc might utilize them and, you know, staggering and all those kinds of things. Um, I think kind of saving that makes the most sense uh, because right now there are other things, you know, to still talk about. Um, yeah, Jermichael Green is interesting. Um, you know, I think not only was he really helpful for the Clippers last year, but with the departure of Danilo Gallinari, he's kind of very important for the Clippers to bring back. Uh, obviously, they're probably going to start. I'm assuming even though Lucas thinks they might start small, with Kawhi at the two and Paul George at the three, I'm guessing they will start Shamit uh, with Pat Beverly, uh, with George and Leonard at the three and four. But they will try to limit those minutes at the four, I think, especially against more traditional, like, bruising-style players. And Jamichael is perfect for that. He can also do, you know, a true small ball stretch five, uh, which we saw be very effective against the Warriors. A pretty good, you know, interior help defender, can rebound, can hit threes. Uh, just a very solid player. Honestly, he might be the best player left in free agency, uh, which is kind of sad for free agency. Uh, but, like, he's pretty good. Um, and the Clippers could really use him. So, basically, all they have is the room exception, which I believe is two years, $9.8 million, which would be not much money for him considering the market this summer. Uh, but most of the money has dried up. Like, a lot of teams have their room exception, I think there are a couple teams that might still have some of their, you know, taxpayer MLEs left, which I believe is slightly more. That might be like an average of 5.3 million a year. Uh, but I don't think there are any full MLEs left out there. No team outside of the Suns has cap space. I cannot see Green going to the Suns, and I believe they have that space bookmarked for Kelly Oubre anyway. Uh, so I think they could probably get him back on the room exception. It would be an underpay for him. Uh, but I think he's still – he's like 28 – uh, you know, two years from now, he should still be able to get a decent contract for himself, and he'd be playing, you know, fairly big minutes on a contender. Um, I do wonder why that hasn't happened yet, if that's what's happening. And, you know, the, the delay for the Paul George and Kawhi Leonard deals makes me think the Clippers might still be up to something. Uh, the same goes for the waving of Cinderella Thornwell and Ty Wallace, who I wasn't necessarily expecting them to be on the roster next year, but they're cheap. Um, guys who fit in fairly well with the team and, you know, are at least NBA caliber players. So I do wonder if the Clippers are off to something else, but I mean, I really hope that they're able to bring uh, Jim Michael back. 
Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I really took a keen liking to Jermichael. Even when we traded for him, I was pretty excited to see how he'd fit. Um, I hope we can bring him back, especially because I'm probably more of the idea that we can start Beverly, George, um, Kawhi, a power forward, and Zubat. I, I don't necessarily know how well Zubat and Jermichael work together. I feel like we didn't see them play together too much uh, last year. Um but I wouldn't mind him being that four. I wouldn't mind maybe Harkless even being the four, even though he's probably more so over three. Um, and I don't really want Trez to start. So I like the idea of Jermichael still being a clipper, especially, you know, helping spacing the floor and, and uh, getting some rebounds down low. I, I like the idea of him maybe starting if we can keep him, especially because the idea of load management is such a popular term. But you're right. We do want to kind of limit – Kawhi at the four or George at the four so they can kind of preserve their bodies um, even though we're playing more and more positionalist basketball but just having a bruiser down there to take anybody who wants to go in the post or any bigger bodies I think is a good idea and we can have like a I, I hate the phrase death lineup but we can have like a Warriors type situation where we we don't have Iguodala or that last guy that we have on the floor to close or and we've been used to this already as Clipper fans, but we could probably close with something along the lines of a Beverly Shamit, um, as Beverly Shamit, George, Kawhi, and maybe Trez. Beverly slash, you know, probably either Shamit slash um, Lou, depending on what we need, if we're on offense or defense, or, or Pat slash Lou. The guards can be kind of interchangeable. But I don't really want to play them as much Kawhi at the four unless we have to. But I think that lineup is super dangerous, especially if you kind of interchange um, that last guard based on on defense versus offense. That's probably a good, good question for you too, Sabrina. How do you see this team kind of closing games? I think Lucas asked our cavalry of guests last time this question whenever uh, they left, the idea of who do, we, who do the Clippers play down the stretch on this team? I think it'll be Pat. <clears throat> Pat, Lou, Trez, George, and Kawhi. Right. Do you see it? You see times where Shamit would be there instead of one of those guards in case I don't know. I maybe could maybe see on offense. Shamit being in place of Pat, but I don't really see Doc closing games without Lou, especially because defensively, like how many players are there going to be where right <laughs> Pat, George, and Kawhi aren't taking care of it? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's more or less it. I think we're going to talk about Summer League a little bit. Sabrina, if you want to hang out and talk about that, or if you... Well, we have can. a bunch of questions. Afterwards. Oh, we do? Yeah, yeah so... Let's get the questions. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah let's just get <laughs> the questions. Um, so, I'll start... I, we won't get to all of them, because I think I'm counting 15 here. Um, oh. The first one, um, from Thomas Sankara at Ben Thrifty. Um, the Clipper you're most nervous about heading into 2019-20, which I think is a really interesting question. Um, I guess I Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do an interesting answer and say, at least as the roster stands right now, Pat Beverly, mostly because I'm worried about his health and the Clippers literally don't have a backup point guard as of right now. And as I detailed in my article yesterday, the backup point guard, pickings are extremely slim like they're not getting anybody who's really that good like Jeremy Lin who's kind of washed up and has been injury prone the past few years is might be their best option right now 
And if Pat Beverly goes down, like I am not comfortable with Jeremy Lin playing significant minutes. So I think possibly Pat Beverly, in terms of, you know, less experienced players, I think almost all the guys in the rotation are veterans, except maybe Shamit. Um, and I completely trust him at this point for the role he's going to be playing. So I'm going to say Beverly and, and Beverly's help. I'm uh, I'm kind of concerned about George a little bit, just because I know he just had surgery. He's going to be out probably most of the preseason as, as what was kind of documented before this trade. Um, I kind of wanted to see him healthy. I know he's had issues with that shoulder before. It's not the first time. I think he had a torn labrum. Uh, I think it's not the first time he's had issues with that shoulder. So it's it's a little concerning. And with his injury history in general, I think he's going to be fi- – everything, you know, his prospects are that he'll be healthy to start the season. But those any of those injuries where he's like, well, he'll miss most of the preseason, those – can maybe somehow linger and that's a little bit concerning because we have this great duo already and I want to see it kind of get off on a good note and I hope he's not going to be favoring that shoulder at all or anything like that um I, I think he'll ultimately be fine I agree with you too Rob positionally backup point guard is a concern I'm not really sure uh, where we're gonna go with that but um I think I'm a little bit I want I'm gonna be watching Paul George pretty closely to start this season Sabrina what do you think I was going to say Paul George as well because of the shoulder injury. I mean, the Paul George before he hurt his labrum was like an entirely, not an entirely different player, but a substantially different player than after he got hurt. And that's, that's a bit worrisome. Uh, my second answer was also me, Patrick Beverly. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it's good that we have such a diversity of opinions on this podcast. Or maybe that's just the right answer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like Robert was saying about the backup point guard market, I mean, that's something that literally the Lakers have just gone through because they had to go through the backup point guard market to get a starting point guard. So I am well aware of the slim pickings that are exist in the free agency pool. And, I mean, I was just talking about this today with somebody like, I understand that when you have players like Kawhi and Paul George, like um, getting a creator at the point guard position isn't your primary concern, but it would be nice to have a guard who could do a little bit of that, you know, creating off the dribble in the starting lineup, which that's not going to happen with Lou Williams. It's yeah. It's going to happen with Lou Williams. And, and Pat, Pat Beverly has been on record and summer league was kind of showing this even yesterday. Pat Beverly legitimately called Jerome Robinson, a point guard uh, on, on national TV. Which, uh, <laughs> and Jerome Robinson has been handling the ball more, uh, in summer league, he was running a lot of pick and rolls yesterday, but he was sick in the second half. So um, maybe the Clippers had that idea that they might want to r- mold Jerome as a point guard of sorts. They did a little bit more of it to, to end this season. I know in our throwaway game against the Jazz, he was running a lot of point, especially in that overtime and people were like losing their minds. But <laughs> maybe that's a little bit of like a last ditch type of thing where we think about giving Jerome some point minutes. Neither, neither Rob or I are excited about that prospect. No, I like as a developmental path, I'm fine with it on a team that is probably hopefully going to contend for a championship. Uh, I do not want Jerome Robinson playing back a point guard uh, for a team in real significant games. Uh, Rob, you mentioned Lynn. Is there is there somebody else? Is there anybody out there that you're kind of like maybe this guy? I know I, 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 actually, Landry yeah. Shaman is back a point guard. That's true. I mean Landry Shaman's also you know we we've seen him handle a bit. Yeah. He played some in college. 
but yeah, I mean, not that excited about Sham also <laughs> as as the primary backup point. I mean, Lou's going to handle a lot. Um, yeah, either of you guys, do you have any any prospects out there? You're like, oh, well, this guy could probably be had for cheap and a no, better. No, there's really stop, there's right? there's really nobody. I mean, I am I have a Michigan connection, um, though I've actually not. I've been very skeptical of Trey Burke, but for oh, who's boy. left, he's probably one of the better ones because he can at least score and create right. his own shot a little bit. Um, yeah. But he's not the great passer, and his defense is very bad, and him and Lou together would be a disaster on that end. So, uh, you know, as a depth piece, he's fine, but he's more of a third point guard than a true backup. Um, you know, I, like, I legitimately had to put Raymond Felton in that article, and, like, I love Raymond Felton, or as I call him, the pudge god, but, uh, you know, nobody wants to see that happen for the Clippers in 2020. Um uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as Sabrina just said, the Lakers, and we all make fun of the Lakers for their signings, but like Rajon Rondo, Quinn Cook, and Alex Caruso are all three of probably the better point guards available on the market. Um, you know, Quinn Cook probably would have been one of the better options. Um, I did not want Rondo under any circumstances, but objectively, he's better than probably most of who's left, so it's it's very slim pickings. Um so yeah, let's move on. Um, so a lot of the questions are, are kind of duplicates. So if I don't speak to yours, it's because we already talked about it. Sorry. <laughs> um, so Big Ben at Step Back Tree, would this season be labeled a disappointment if they don't make it to at least the Western Conference Finals? Yes. Yeah. And barring a real like super severe injury to Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, in which case it's like a disaster anyway. Um, yeah, if they don't make the Western Conference Finals, uh, that would be bad. Will I still be terrified in the second round? Yes. <laughs> Sabrina? That's about right, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, this is the best team top to bottom in the Western Conference. you got to make the Western Conference Finals. Man, it's such a clipper question to ask, but <laughs> I, I ask myself the same question. So, yeah, go ahead, Rob. Uh, so the next questions are, are kind of similar. It's like, do you think the front office is something up to something else unexpected with the cuts of times in the delay of Jim Michael? And do you know when it's going to be official um, when, you know, Leonard and Paul George are Clippers? I already mentioned this. I think they, there might be. Um, I don't think there's any sort of holdup with the deals with Kawhi or Paul George, because that would have been broken news. And, you know, there's already been fairly official stuff about them coming uh, I think there could be something going on. I'm I'm not really sure, and I don't know what they even could be up to. But you know, we'll see. And I'm my best guess as to when they sign is officially is probably in like two or three days, I guess. But honestly, I don't really know. I just assume there's like some sort of like tax avoidance thing the Clippers are trying to do. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming too. That they're just trying to run some gymnastics. We'll we'll see what they can do. Yeah, this should be a pretty quick hitter. Um, would you prefer to see Kawhi and George at the two and three or three and four? I get Lucas's concern about running them down, but I do think three and four is probably better um, just positionally for them. And I also think Shamit should probably start um, to provide more spacing. And he's also just a better player than Mo Harkless. So I think they'll start at the two and the three because uh, I assume that part of the consideration with bringing Leonard over was that they're going to bend to every one of his wills and he doesn't want to play the four. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I kind of assume they'll start at two and a three and, you know, Leonard had Siakam 
this past year, which is kind of interesting. So I wonder, I wonder what his preference is, is at playing the full. I mean, load management is such a huge concern and keeping his body fresh. I wonder what if we'll have concerns even closing at Leonard at the four to close games. Um, it'll be kind of an interesting thing, but yeah, I'm assuming they're going to start the two and the three. And if we have to close with them at the four and the three and the four, and especially in the playoffs, and that's what we'll do. Okay. Three more. Sorry. I've been forgetting some of the, the names of the Twitter people, but uh, <laughs> from next question from George Ark or RSA, I'm not sure. Realistic playing time slash roles for Cobb and Gelly, J Rob man, the season, um, potential summer league standouts that could earn a two-way coffee haze. Um, realistically, I don't think any of those guys should probably be getting much playing time. Agreed. <laughs> like, yeah, I, don't, I just don't see where the minutes are going to come from. Yeah, I mean, I think theoretically, if you start Shamit along with – if you start him at the two uh, with, you know, um, PG and Kawhi at three and four, then the backup would be Lou – you know, you have Lou and Trez, you have Magruder Harkless, and you still have one spot, which I guess now would probably go to Jerome. Uh, but I don't think that's really what's going to happen. I think they're also going to sign some more people. Uh, Kevin Gelly looks very raw. I think he's a decent prospect, but he's not ready to play NBA defense or and has no ability to pass the ball uh, in an NBA-style offense. And Terrence Mann I actually quite like, and I think he played really well in the first summer league game and is actually the kind of guy who might be able to play, you know, got minutes as like the 10th man, like the fifth guy on the bench. It's in Darius type minutes, maybe even this season. But I mean, I doubt the Clippers want that to be the game. <coughs> so uh, yeah, I don't think so. And the summer league standouts, I think Shap and I are going to talk about the summer league in a little bit. Um, so we'll handle that separately. Um, next question from Mohammed Shabane. Uh, how far would this team take the KD warriors in a seven game series? Considering the, the I mean, Clippers last year took him to six, like they beat him, right? I would, I think so. Yeah, I, I'll never say that we'll beat the Warriors, <laughs> but uh, you would imagine it would be a very competitive series. That, that would, would be, be awesome. That would be a great series. Jeez, that'd be so <sighs> much fun. Especially since that we have, the, especially since we have yeah. the Curry Stopper and Shamit. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it would be an awesome series. Um, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, the Clippers, and I do think the Warriors didn't take them all that seriously. No, they didn't. As, like the first game and a half, but like Cl- Clipper um, fans, can, can we stop like comparing our series with like the Rockets series? I, I get that it's ridiculous. it's really fun to compare positively to the Rockets. So Twitter audits likes the Rockets. I, I hate I hate the Rockets, but like we we need to keep some humility. Like I get it, I get it. They went six, we went six. They didn't have. Shamit defended Curry better than anybody on their team did. That's true. They have man. no answers for Lou Williams. That's true. It's it's uh, <laughs> I, it's, just, yeah. it's just funny. It's just like very funny the entire idea. Like like well, the Clippers were the hardest out that the Warriors had all postseason. I'm sure nah. for the Western Conference. I mean, ah, I don't know about that. I don't think. I think they were just kind of sleeping. They were on. definitely tougher than the Blazers, though. Yep, oh, yeah, definitely the, yeah. tougher than the Blazers. Oh yeah, the the Warriors didn't give, I keep seeing the Warriors didn't give a shit about the Blazers. Like they were just like <laughs> they were so bored and they're like, oh, we're down by twenty, maybe we should play. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny that like people keep saying like, oh, the Western Conference is really competitive. You know, these teams could win, like the Nuggets and the Jazz and the Rockets and the Warriors, and then like the Blazers. I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> Stop. 
uh, like they had a really good run last year. Like, you know, happy for Dame and CJ that they made the Western Conference Finals. That team was like barely better than the Clippers last year. And every other team in the West got better and they got worse. So, um, yeah, I, I don't get that at all. But anyway, um, the last question that is not kind of a duplicate or one you've already answered is from Andy Ritter, which is, will we be able to keep Trez after this season or will he be too expensive? This is one of my, this will be one of my internal questions all season. I am very concerned about this. Rob, what do well, you I think? Mean, I think they would have, I, I'm not a cap expert. I think they would have Bird right so they could go over they the would. cap to sign him. They would. So they could. Will they is a different question. Um, I kind of think. What do you think he's going to demand next season? Like how his he's going to be great this this season. I think he's going to be nonstop. This is the usual Trez, and he's going to have so many opportunities to roll to the basket. I'll be interested to see how his pick and roll game kind of develops, even with somebody like George or even Kawhi to an extent. I mean, I'm uh, not sure who's going to like. He's really, really good, and there will be teams who will pay him a lot. But like, I don't think he's going to get like a max or even close to a max from any team because, you know, maybe a team does think he could start. Um, but I don't think most teams would see him as a starter just due to his size, you know, lack of interior defense and rebounding. I mean, I think he'll probably get like a 460 offer, you know, like maybe right. 470 at the most, which is a lot. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't think any book team is just going to be like four 100, like, you know, this is right. what we're offering Montrezl Harrell. I think, you know, he might get too expensive, but I mean, I don't think if the question's kind of hinting at maybe the Clippers try to trade him this season. Um, oh, please. Oh God. I'm, I don't, I just don't think they will because he's yeah. so valuable to the team and his chemistry with Lou and everything. Yeah. And, I just don't see why you would want him to like separate from Lou Williams because his value is definitely dependent on being able to play with Lou. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, definitely. And yeah. like, I mean, as long as the Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George, like next year and onwards, they're going to be behaving. They're going to be behaving as a tax team. So, you, you kind of got to wonder too, like if they stagger the stars, if that's going to take the ball out of Lou's hands more, and if that'll kind of even decrease Trez's stats from last year. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm worried about this. I think he's going to get he's going to get paid, not the max, but. I'm hoping the Clippers just bite the bullet and go comfortably into the tax to keep them. That's my... I think they will. I mean, Steve Ballmer is extremely wealthy, even for an NBA owner. Yeah, yeah. I, hear, I hear he's rich, yeah. They're not going to cheap out on, like, building a championship team because, like, they'll have rights on him, you know? Like, it's... I mean, unless he wants to leave, which I just don't see happening, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I think he'll be back. Um, Unless he turns – well, I mean, then if, like, he has a complete breakout season, even for Trez again this year, then the Clippers would have to keep him because if Trez has another breakthrough, I mean, I'm guessing the Clippers would win the championship, uh, in which case you try to keep your championship team together. Did you, guys, did you guys see that graphic comparing the Clippers to the Bulls? Like, it was like a clutch points graphic or something like that. Oh, that had him as Dennis Rodman? <laughs> right, right. Oh, my yeah. God. Just completely. I mean, I get, like, the energy. I get it a little bit. Right? I get but, like, I, all the comparisons I kind of got, but oh, my gosh. That's yeah, when, so... when I saw Trez at the Sparks, Sparks game earlier today, like, he looked like he lost, like, 15 pounds. Wow. 
That's interesting because a lot of his value is just yeah. I, people. I kind of hope he hasn't lost fifteen pounds. I just assume that he's like you know staying limber, you know, because he's got to yeah. he's got to move around so much on those pick and rolls. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I also like none of these guys are doing much without consulting the Clippers and like nutritionists and stuff. Like, and Trez obviously works super hard and cares a lot about being best at his best. I would not worry about it. Uh, that is really interesting, though. Um, I do know, like, you, I don't know how much, if anything, you can take away from those summer league runs. Not summer league, as in, like, Las Vegas, but, like, the Rico Hines and Drew League. Like, Drew League and stuff. Yeah, he was there yesterday. Yes, but, like, I know he has been working a lot on his outside shot. Um, and it's possible he's preparing to play, like, a little bit more on the perimeter this year, which, you know, I, I'm just not sure about. So maybe he's trying to get himself a little bit quicker. Yeah, I mean, um, he's, he's definitely going to be playing five. Like, there's just nobody else who's going to play backup yeah. five on this roster. So, yeah, yes. I, just, I just thought it was interesting. Like, I saw him from the back, and I didn't even recognize him because he looked, like, that much slimmer. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Damn. As wow. long as his shoulders still push people around. Yeah. <laughs> I think he will. I mean, he's, like, probably one of the five top he's five strongest a, guys in the NBA, I'd say. Such a, he's such a bully. I just want I, – I like that he's – I see the – you know, shots of him doing fadeaways and threes, but I, I just want him to roll. Like, I still, yep. that's all I want. I'm so excited yeah. for him to go against Zion for the first time. And oh, just, my gosh. Ooh, that'll be interesting, yeah. Guys, I'm so hyped for this season. Why isn't it starting already? Sheer, like, amount of strength going against each other, and they're going to be going right at each other, too. Like, it's going to be incredible. Like, they're going to be fighting for a loose ball, and it might actually pop. Like, it would surprise <laughs> me. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I think that's all the questions basically. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Shap, did you want to talk summer league at all? I honestly don't have too much to say. Like yeah. every year I kind of just forget. I don't, I, summer league I, don't, I don't have too much to say either. I mean, we could just, I mean, Kevin Gelly, like you mentioned, had a good stats, kind of not a great game as far as I can, as I was concerned. I'm glad he hit a three. He's, you mentioned, I think in the recap, he has a good nose for offensive rebounds. He's, a good bowler and you know he has a motor which everybody told us going into that game yeah. from, from his call his college game so nothing was really too surprising he's he was lazy on defense like there were a few times where he where guards just got like got where they wanted around him and he didn't really seem as excited on the defensive end which is kind of concerning um but aside from that i, I agree terrence mann looked like he was the most ready to play he was surprisingly good handling the ball he had some good yep court awareness he was a good defender he has good he has pretty good size i'm assuming he's going to guard the two slash three he seems like he could be a nice player in the future that's only off one game i like coffee coffee looked like a like a decent decent player to have around i think he's on the two-way right no so there was some confusion about that there were different there were conflicting reports um one said he had a two-way and one said he an exhibit 10 i believe he has an exhibit 10 Uh, i reached out to his agent actually uh, and did not get a response, but whatever. Uh, that's not surprising. So if, if we're gonna talk some really, I'm gonna I'm gonna head out. Uh, well, I think we're basically done anyway. <laughs> we're, we're pretty much done. Anything else you want? To, I know you you want to name drop Michinow just for Lucas. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's, yeah. there's no love quite like a a routine like a regular summer league attendee for a team. There's just there's no relationship quite like that. Where's Jack Cooley? Come on. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I really don't have much else to say on summer league. Um, yeah, Jerome needs to step it up. That's the biggest thing. Jerome needs sick, to like. Yeah, I, um, I knew he was sick, but come on, man. He has I, literally no chance of playing during the season if he can't 
It's ridiculous. That drive he had was fun. He tried. He tried to like dunk. Have like a really aggressive drive. <laughs> he and tried to dunk. He tried to dunk, and I was like, "Wow, that's uh, that's good." But uh, I, I'm he, gonna close by saying that I just hope Jerome Robinson has never listened to this podcast. <laughs> it's not good for his confidence, which we know is yeah. way already. Nothing uh, irks Robert more than how people, how quick people are to trash shave, but just every little thing Jerome does just eats it up <laughs> do you yeah. think do you, do you think sam presti was like we need jerome in this trade and then and then we got talked he took got talked down to shay <laughs> uh, like the lakers holding on to kuzma and giving up like three extra draft picks I, right yeah. right oh my god that was i would uh, love to know what those negotiations were actually like the, the sabrina, lakers pelicans yeah. ones yeah sabrina what is what is kyle kuzma's ceiling you think <laughs> Apparently, Kyle Kuzma's ceiling is Anthony Davis. Like Scotty Pippen. I, gather. I, I think it's maybe like Scotty Pippen, or that's maybe... what I've been led to believe by yeah, the, he... uh, the LA media. Oh my god, Kyle! Kuzma. He actually reminds me a ton of Al Thornton. I'm just gonna throw that. Out. Oh god, Florida <laughs> uh, State's Al Thornton. That's, that's your a well that the Clippers keep drawing into. Yeah, that's really weird. I never. I, wow, I didn't make that connection until now. Yeah, I think it's the same Cassell influence, but um, yeah, I, I really don't have too much else to say. I'm just. Like, I watched one game of Summer League. I'm like, I really want actual NBA basketball. <laughs> watch uh, the WNBA. Yeah, WNBA is yeah, – I've been able to watch a couple games. Um, I really need to watch more. I need to start watching – the links are so much fun to watch. Are they – they... Maya Moore, she was my favorite WNBA. Yeah, so she's out the season, right, Sabrina? Uh, yeah, but... she's out for the year. Oh, yeah. gosh. She's, she's probably my favorite. I love Candace Parker, too. But Maya Moore, I love watching Maya Moore. She's just so, like – She's like a bully. She's like a, like a very, like, I loved her. I loved her too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for everybody who, who's craving actual professional basketball and not like sloppy summer league, uh, the WNBA is still playing. <laughs> um, sure. It is definitely higher quality. Montrez Harrell and Trey Young were both at the Sparks game today. And oh, nice. They have a genuinely good time. Yeah, it's fun. NBA players, by the way, I mean, most people probably know this, like very much on the whole, like extremely respect WNBA players, which yeah. For people who trash them, the NBA, that probably doesn't matter. But, like, they're really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, so, and they're, it's just way more fun to watch teams that know each other and are, like, actual teams instead of just yep. together. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I will be in Vegas uh, for anybody who's wondering, but probably nobody. I will be in Vegas starting tomorrow and going through Thursday. Oh, man, I really um, want to go. So, I will be watching a lot of awful basketball and talking with people. No, it's fun. It's just the people, man. It's just, like the people yeah. there. It's just such a fun vibe. I wish I could go to oh. Summer League this year, especially with all the – Make sure to get in touch with, you know, Coffee's agent about that two-way set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. You can talk the to end game of the Summer League trip. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to Summer League, Sabrina? Oh, no, I never have. Uh, yeah. basically once I started getting into like doing NBA stuff, I was also into WNBA. So I just mm-hmm. stayed here. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it's, it is fun, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be like 110 degrees or whatever. And I'm just going to, it's going to be awful. So by the way, there was, there was a, there was a Twitter thing recently where Ralph Lawler said that he would think about oh, it. Yeah. If he asked to come back. Ooh. That was supposed to be a DM, I believe. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which, yeah. Cause yeah. he deleted it very quickly. Yeah, so, oh, did he delete it? He did we delete it. We have no intel on who the Clippers are targeting is, to replace Ralph, right? Ralph is yeah. such an old, old man. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was telling, uh, I, forget, I think it was texted you and Lucas that I, like, I was really hoping he was living in, like, some cottage with Joe without right, him, that, uh, like, just completely cut off from the world with like, a farm. 
but he he shows up on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, I agree with you, Sabrina. Like, I mean, they're they've made splashes on the court. I'm guessing they're trying to make a splash in the broadcasting booth as well. I Um, think they're just going to have the radio guy be the play-by-play. Yeah, that's what we all thought. Yeah, it would not surprise me. I will say that the Nets have like five really good people. It would not surprise me if the Clippers tried to poach like Ryan Rocco or um, Ian Eagle, but well, Ryan Rocco has an ESPN deal, right? So does he? See, I don't, I don't know enough about broadcasting. So there you go. Um, <laughs> well, but I mean, like, I know would, like, um, even like the Mike Breen deal that he has with the Knicks, you know, where he just gets to yeah. go out for the national games and they just bring in a sub. Yeah, yeah, because like I know Carol Lawson did that for the Wizards before exactly. she was yeah. rightfully hired by the Celtics. Um, as a coach. So, I mean, I think they might do that, but yeah, I think Seaman will probably be the, the play-by-play guy. I hope they bring in like a Clippers legend to do the color, like DeAndre Jordan, <laughs> Walton, Freddie two games, please. That would be my, oh, no, I, uh... I don't know that people would actually learn that much about the Clippers if Walton did. 82 oh, he wouldn't. I don't think Walton would learn that much about the Clippers <laughs> if he did 82 games, honestly. So but Zubaka will live forever. <laughs> Zubaka. Shay Gilgey. I love that he just yeah, did it. Um... <laughs> yeah. I'm I like, there are plenty of ex Clippers who'd be great. Like, I know Baron Davis is another guy with a national TV deal, but like I would love it if they got Baron or you know like one of the old Clippers. Like if they got you know Darius Miles, <laughs> Quentin Richardson. Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson have a tremendous podcast. It is great. Knuckleheads is really good. I need to listen to it's it. It's a tremendous good. name, first of all. Like Knuckleheads with a double meaning of like the tapping on their head and also them being Knuckleheads, which I mean. Name of the podcast is like half the battle. I'd love to hear them what they think about this. The Clippers now, now since they were. Yeah, with I can't us. wait for season two of their podcast. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't have anything else. <laughs> yeah, so Sabrina, did you want to plug anything? Oh, you know, just uh, keep reading Clips Nation because uh, Rob and Lucas like pump out something every like thirty minutes about this new Clippers team. I'm so excited for free agency and summer league to be over, <laughs> so I can nap for like a week. <laughs> yeah, my gosh, Clips Nation has been putting out a ton of stuff. There's a Kawhi shirt that got linked. Even on you there. wrote something for Clips. Even Nation. even I wrote something. I write things like once every summer. The last <laughs> the last thing I wrote on Clips Nation was about like Novak Djokovic like a year ago, <laughs> and I tied it to the Clippers. Somehow. I wasn't even aware that you had an author account on Clips Nation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't write like I used to. I didn't even write that often when I in my heyday, but I'll write once in a while. And this was this was a fun. This is a fun thing. So, yeah, there's a ton of stuff to read on Clips Nation. Sabrina broke the news about Kawhi's, and so we're all on the on the list right now of recent authors. Of course, the Kawhi shirt said, the What to Do Baby shirt. Uh, go cop that if you want to. <laughs> I'm yeah. I also it. will say yeah. just hilariously that, like, I think the best summary of the Clippers-Lakers relationship was, like, the day, you know, the Friday night going into Saturday of, you know, when the Kawhi-Paul George news broke which is like the biggest day in Clippers franchise history. I think Silver Screen Roll still had like almost double the page views. <laughs> uh, and Clippers Nation was at like 140,000 and Silver Screen Roll was like at over 300,000. Uh, so yeah, that's, that basically sums it up. Um, but yeah, yeah, check out Sabrina's uh, news breaking thing, uh, article on Kawhi, and she's going to have something tomorrow. Chap probably won't write again for like another year. But. Yeah, I also... <laughs> It was a, Jerry West too. Yeah, the Jerry West thing was really good, and something that I was like not gonna write about because that stuff doesn't you know necessarily interest me as much. But that was <laughs> really good, and yeah, like I think he's probably the best overall NBA career of any player ever, of any person ever, 
if you count playing career and executive career. So, uh, yeah, he's he's crazy. And for him to be like doing what he does at like past age eighty is really remarkable. Um, so yeah, that was that was really good. And yeah, that's that's it for me. Sorry, actually, this time. <laughs> yeah, I think that I'll, I'll probably write another article within a year just to spite both of you, but especially you, Rob. But <laughs> I think that'll do it for this episode of the Chad the Podcast. Uh, check out Clips Nation. We're putting out a bunch of stuff. A lot of great writers. Um, Sabrina and Rob, particularly included, and uh, yeah, I think I think that'll do it. Of course, listen to us, uh, subscribe to us, leave comments, or whatever you listen to us to. And for this episode, that'll do it. Go Clippers!